Hey, hey, look at me. I am the co-host now. And that's how we're introducing the episode. Hello, guys, and welcome to the Hit or Miss, the Big Screen Podcast. Yes, we are back for episode two now, and I'm doing this introduction completely off the fly because I hadn't anticipated doing the hosting, well, the hosting of the introduction today. Uh, so, yeah, after the previous episodes, we did reveal we're going to be doing Captain Phillips. Uh, we did announce it on Twitter before the episode came out, but sticks and stones... Uh, this will not break your bones, thankfully. Um, or maybe it will, like uh, it did with many of the pirates in this film. Yes, it's called Captain Phillips. And it is one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, Michael came into this blind, didn't you, Mike? Um, yeah, um, it's basically yeah the reverse of what was last week, whereby uh, you already explained we didn't just pick the movies mm. out of nowhere. They were kind of a random selection. But last week I got one of my favourite films of all time that you'd never seen. Um, and this week you got one of your favourites that I had never seen, but obviously have now. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And I'm sure we'll get into... Uh, well, we will get into your thoughts and my mm. thoughts, of course, in a short while. But first I'm going to introduce the film like give uh, an explanation explanation of it uh, so captain phillips is a film released in 2013 that is based on the true events of the mazurk alabama's voyage in 2009 uh, it is directed by paul greengrass who some viewers may know from his work as the director of the bourne films michael if you see oh my films, god it's jason bourne you have of Sorry, course I seen couldn't... the bourne film surely <laughs> I couldn't resist for the meme. I actually haven't. I just know that you meme really well. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the gift's fantastic. I usually yeah. it sometimes. <laughs> but this isn't the Bourne films, but he did direct the Bourne films. Uh, it stars Tom Hanks as Captain Phillips and, oh, God, I'm going to butcher this name, Barkhead oh, yeah. Abdi as Abdulwali Moose. <laughs> I hope I did that I justice. believe it's Moose, weirdly enough. M- Moose. Because <laughs> I, I was reading the subtitles and I was pronouncing it Muse, which is how it's spelled. Uh, mm. And then I went and looked up some of the kind of real life situation and stuff when I'd seen the film and apparently it's pronounced Moose. It's like there's an okay. accent on the E, but I, I was just reading it as Muse. In the film, it was like Moose. Like a, like maybe, a Moose. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that mispronouncing it somewhere along the way. Perhaps. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Michael, obviously this was your first time watching it and you had told me privately, like before many months. I get privately, yeah. Yeah, my favourite genres, you know, except sci-fi, of course, so thriller and character dramas are not generous you typically gravitate towards. So were you pleasantly surprised going into this film or like going out of the film since this isn't normally one you would have watched ever if you hadn't done the podcast? Yeah, well, it's kind of like we discussed, um, as I said to you, because we briefly discussed our thoughts without getting too spoilery, and I said it's one of those things where I think I don't like biopics and kind of real-life biographical dramas, but every time I've watched one, I've ended up really loving it, and I own quite a few of them. Mm. Um, And they're among some of my favourite movies, things like um, All the President's Men, Frost Nixon, First Man, uh, are the three that spring to mind that are some of my favourite movies, and it's kind of like, I don't know why I have this unconscious bias, Um, but even going into this, I was kind of like, oh, I have a feeling this might be a bit slow and a bit... um, Because I'm always a little bit like, oh, there's no aliens or, (laughs) you know, excessive action or crazy stuff, so this is just going to be boring. But no, um, far from it. I really, really liked the movie after having watched it, Um, not to give too many spoilers. I did have some some nits to pick maybe or that we might get to if we're going i don't know how you're doing this sort of chronologically or whatever mm. but um but overall it was an incredibly good really a uh, enjoyable is perhaps the wrong word but it's definitely an uh, yeah. a film where you can appreciate the, the the excellence that kind of went into it and what what was done and uh hey crazy bit of trivia for you oh, did you good. know the, the the lead of this film right he voices woody in them their toy story films 
crazy man it's sometimes really hard to separate <laughs> the characters it's like i i see tom hanks but i'm yeah. picturing it as woody so I oh i just i my just brain agree. I think is going crazy I, I i didn't have that with this and sometimes i'm kind of like that where i'm like oh i wish they'd kind of cast an unknown because it's hard to see but tom hanks is a very good actor and i didn't yeah. at any point think oh i'm just watching tom hanks i was kind of I, I was swept into it and yeah. obviously the uh the actors playing the sort of somali pirates and stuff were all actors that i wouldn't have known even if they were kind of famous and i mm. don't think they were this was their big break so the realism was kind of there the yeah. only instances other than that were a couple of character actors playing the the mask alabama crew who i was like we'll get there i've we'll seen there. i've seen that guy in doctor who and i've seen that guy in something else yeah, so I kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, i'm really glad about that um you didn't touch on it about the format we're not going to be doing the spin the wheel format we'll be doing the hill miss format but let's strict of course spin the wheel being the name of our other podcast uh this is going to be a linear ish review but we can allude to any scene we want to at any time uh that being said we are going to go from the start where we see hanks and his um and the woman portraying captain phillips's wife for me this Catherine Keener, thank you. Um, <laughs> a very slow, restricted start compared to the very uh, next section of the poor, though hectic Somalian village. Personally, I think this is to show the difference in civility between uh, between the two cultures. One is very organised and have their lives planned out, whereas the other is on more on a whim, so to speak, leading to more adventure and danger. I believe it did so very well in portraying that, if that's what they were going for, of course. What did you think of the whole sequence? Uh, in terms of how it started, I have both praise and criticism for the, for the way that it was. Um, the first, well, I'll start with the criticism, which is that I feel maybe this is perhaps me being a bit too controversial, but I feel like the way that the Somali uh, people were depicted was a tad kind of racist and simplistic. Um, it was very much, you know, bad guy. And, and I didn't feel like we got a lot into why they are in the kind of economic state that they are or why they go out doing these things. Um, which, to be fair, isn't the, isn't necessarily the story that you're telling in this film, but it mm. did leave me kind of like, so why is that scene almost like why is it there in the first place? Because it gives us very surface level stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, but on the other hand, from that, um, as I was doing my research into the sort of the film and how it where it came from, uh, discovered that it's based on a book that the real Captain Phillips wrote, which I'm sure you probably know. Mm. Um, but the, the book's narrative is completely different because it tells the story of kind of the hijacking of the Alabama and uh, the pirate story and everything that we know from the film. But it intersperses it with um, his with Captain Phillips' wife back home, um, seeing this on the news and her various kind of emotional reactions to the things that happened, Yeah, um, which they had filmed apparently for the movie, but they kind of cut it out because they wanted to tell the contained story. And I do actually, that's where I wanted to give praise because I think that was the right decision. Same. Um, I, I think that's definitely the right call. And I think uh, I have seen some people, um, particularly one specific person, I think it was the one you're on about in terms of, oh, you recognize that guy from something else. It's the, um, yeah. um, I think it's that guy who, the real life guy says he wish he'd saw more of that. So yeah. I'm going to get into the crew's take on the film later. But, um, oh yeah, there's some criticisms uh, yeah. about about you know how much of it is yeah 
But I'll, I'll just say this off top now that having researched that, yes, there's some inaccuracies, but there's actually a website that tests the accuracy of... Yes, um, and it was like 81.4%, like wasn't it? I think it was more it was like 84 or something percent accurate, which for a biopic is like massively yeah. high up there because usually they take a lot of dramatic liberty, but this one seems not to have done all that much. But, you know, there are things that were different, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, while we're at it, I'd like to play some of the performances now. Yes, we will talk about Hanks and Abdi later, I'm sure. But my <laughs> God, everyone played their part. There was, of course, some roles that were very minimal, but every actor did a great job. I mention this because uh, when it comes to the pirate lot, only Abdi is really brought up in conversation. But I think, uh, again, with the names, Fasal yeah. Hamid as Naji, uh, the very imposing shouted guy. Uh, he was very intimidating as well and had some great screen presence. I, 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 I didn't like, sorry to jump in, but no I just worries. didn't love his, I didn't love his role because I found it very one note. It was very like, they wanted to humanize as much as possible. Uh, what's his name? The, the leader, Moose or Moose or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he, he kind of fell to having to be the mustache twirling, like this guy is a villain. Um, and again, mm. when you read when you read about the real life story, you know, it, it, apparently every one of the the Somali pirates, other than the lead guy, was like fifteen or sixteen years old, mm. which you don't get a sense of in the film. It's like the one guy that's like, oh, I can't believe it. But in reality, there really wasn't any. They kind of do that Hollywood thing that I, I it, talk out a little it, bit, which is like it's for dramatic you need purposes. a villain. Yeah. Oh yeah, you need you, you do for need a villain, but because it's because it's a real life person, I just feel kind of like. Yeah, that's a little bit it doesn't sit fantastically with me okay. if that makes sense <laughs> mm. but the the point still stands my point in my opinion that the actor did have some great screen presence and what's even more amazing that was his first ever acting role for anything uh, do you agree? Wow. yeah I do as I say I think my problem isn't so much with the acting as the way that he was written he's playing exactly what he's supposed to be which is we need a straight out and out villain um, but in terms of what you're saying, which is the screen presence and the actual sense of threat and fear, mm. um, 100% absolutely couldn't have done better at that role. And if you're saying it's his first role and he's doing that, yeah. he could have one massive successful career as like a horror movie villain or something like that. So yeah, um, yeah definitely kudos. That's, that's a skill within itself, you know? Yeah, and he did uh, move, I am sure he moved location in 2014 to get some roles, but it wasn't until like 2016 until he started picking up some roles. And then I think since Captain Phillips, he's had about three or four other roles. So yeah, his career's picking up a bit, but it's still not at the level I'm sure um, it could be because I think he's, he could be a very good actor. And I think, yes, his performance in this is very one note. It's just a very stereotypical, angry person. You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's nothing special about the character and the, all the attention really is focused on the leader moose and also um is it naji the the young guy who had his foot cut i think naji was the sort of the real villain guy but i could be wrong um, i couldn't really <laughs> keep up with the names because they were quite hard for me to get my head around anyway yeah um but yeah i know who you mean there's the young guy because there is only one person that they say oh he's only like 15 whatever years old and he's the guy who gets his feet cut on the glass and then He's, he's blatantly who the movie wants you to feel a bit of sympathy for, I think. Yeah. And so, and to an extent, the the lead pirate as well, Moose, uh, because there is some yes. there are some nice scenes. Again, it's not a linear review, so we'll, we can get into it. Uh, the scenes where they're in the lifeboat, where they're kind of just talking, but um, it kind of try, tries to humanise him there, but I think it has the reverse effect for me. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get there. Like to no, I, I I actually agree with you. That was one of my other sort of. It's not really a criticism because it's not a problem 
that the actor brings to the role but i just think it's kind of there's a little bit of a hollywood thing going on where it's very transparent and i can see through like I don't necessarily believe that this was what how this guy would act. It's just that we need to have a bit of sympathy. So he's kind of more open to the suggestions of Captain Phillips and seems more nice and he's kind mm-hmm. of like, nothing will happen. And I, I'm left kind of, I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm left believing sort of like, I bet that wasn't the case in reality. That just seems like it's a Hollywood thing to like, you have to feel sympathy for this person. So yeah. we'll make him a little bit more amenable to things rather than being scary, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of what ties into your other point about the um, the big, big shabby guy being very one note. It's like, you have to have some counterbalance and having counterbalance within the team of the pirates is um kind of does make sense for a film like this it's like sure you can have tom hanks oppose this guy but to have another pirate oppose this guy like one is very mean and the other is really sympathetic that collision kind of you could class it as trying to build up sympathy build up a character for him but yeah and i think that works really well in the film and that's why i don't particularly i agree with your criticism that it's only one note perform and uh, not performance wise but you know how he was written but i yeah. still think the fact that they had that kind of back and oh, forth it, it, uh was yeah. very good it works in terms of you know it makes you feel what you're supposed to it's just that i having watched a lot of movies was like yeah i'm very aware you're manipulating me and i don't buy the reality of this i'm just like i'm supposed to feel he's a bit more tolerable now, you know, and this other yeah. guy is pure evil and this other, um, the, the young kid is the innocent who's been dragged along on this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if if real people fit into these kind of Hollywood stereotypes in reality, but- Let's you know, not forget the, the boat driver. Yeah, which to be fair, he had nothing to do. Yeah. He had no character yeah. whatsoever, poor guy. Yeah, well, he wanted some fresh air, so he beat the, the window. I guess he had that. You talk yeah, too much. Yeah. So this is another this is probably a complete tangent and you may cut it but when i was looking at the imdb trivia for that scene they were saying that um it's a problem that he says that the um what does he say that the, the gun still has the magazine in yeah um because those guns don't use magazines he means clip and then somebody's oh, yeah. immediately commented underneath that pedantry with well captain phillips wouldn't know that because he's not a military man so maybe it's more realistic that he would have said that yeah. and i was like wow i can be pedantic about things sometimes but that's <laughs> a new level man yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but i'm sure that would uh, trigger a lot of you know gun experts like, gun how could you write something in such a big film that goes against <laughs> our terminology screw you yeah, yeah completely it, yeah it, again it's a bit pedantic but yeah now onto the scenes on the ship itself uh, captain phillips goes around inspecting the locks which did happen in real life in doing so he noticed a lot was unlocked as portrayed in the film which leads on to another point that feeds into the reality you may or uh, may not be aware that this film has taken some slack from the crew that uh, were on the voyage itself who said that the film did not portray the captain's performance accurately rather it was dramatized and falsified his actions for example i believe he did not lock the doors of the wheelhouse or the bridge or whatever you want to call it I did not listen to the piracy reports which suggested that they traveled along a course far further from the coast that they actually did of course the latter is somewhat portrayed in the film but never built upon if you know what the scene uh, i'm on about where he's looking at his computer yeah but it's never really explained i read the same thing which is that a couple of the people that were on the voyage are suing the real captain phillips and i think that 
uh, the case is still ongoing, mm. saying that he was too lax about things. He'd received emails about piracy, yeah. and far from being like the panicked sort of now let's be super secure that's in mm. the movie, he was like, oh well, we need to get there fast, so we're gonna just cut through this way that we know is renowned well, for piracy. Now I'm not judging one yeah. way or the other. I wasn't there, but I'm just saying that's what they are accusing him of. Um, but having said that, there is at least one crewman who was on there with him who says actually the film's quite accurate to what he yep. was actually like. Um, and Shane, who knows? I, I think people... it is Shane Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but you probably you may know about more than me. But it's just I was intrigued that you you never know with these things if if it's just Americans wanting to be you know litigious money grabbing kind of thing or yeah. if there is. Or, or to be fair, as is usually the case, maybe the truth is somewhere in between, whereby he did want to sort of cut the route short but he wasn't quite so not caring as as they perhaps want to portray him as mm. for their case you know i mean you did mention this uh the lawsuit after the events of 2009 uh he did stay in the lawsuit right in the testimony uh that he deemed that no matter how far they veered off the ultimate course that they went on it wouldn't have mattered because the pirates have been known to go way outward from the coast like yes. 900 1200 miles uh, which was also presented similarly in the film uh, where tom hanks um, delivers the lines like if you go 400 miles they'll be there if you go 800 there'll be another so i who am i who am i to judge clearly it wasn't too accurate if the crew themselves saw fit in coming out and objecting to what the movie says but for the record, information is beautiful. Did deduct that 81.4%, that is the figure, of the movie was accurate to real life events, which like you said, is pretty damn good for a big film like this. Oh, completely. And you can, I mean, when it comes to individual people's actions, but to get it back to a sort of film review kind of place, I really loved those scenes of tension with the crew in the kind of break room. Um, the first yeah. one I was kind of like, oh, this guy's a typical dick boss that I've had a few times where it's like, oh, you finished with your coffee yet? You know, get to work. And I was kind of like, oh. But then the second time it, it flips it on its head rather rather wonderfully when he's kind of going in there. And the, I, I didn't realize until reading up on this that apparently the only person who knew that the guy was going to argue with him about like, I'm not fighting pirates, I'm a union man. The only person that knew that was the guy saying the lines and Tom Hanks. Everybody else in the room didn't know. Um, so oh, their wow. reactions are all kind of genuine when they're like, oh shit, you're, you're, you're back chatting the captain kind of thing, you know? Oh, um, that's brilliant. I, I never yeah, knew which, that. You can kind of sense the tension in the room and I don't know if maybe that's why. I mean, I would guess so. And it's a directorial decision, like maybe that's why, because they're going to be kind of unsettled and a bit off their game because hmm. they're like oh this isn't in the script what's going on here kind of thing yeah. so. uh, that's really interesting and another bit of trivia uh, that you may not know like I just didn't know about that that's completely threw me uh, there were actually three skiffs that approached the ship initially with two pulling back after Phillips made the fake call before uh, stalling the third by making the waves um, bigger to their advantage and yes if we did actually take place um, and yes, it did actually take this join a drill, which I find incredibly scary. Like I've been on cruise mm. ships and if something happened like that, when I was in the middle of the drill, I'd be terrified. I'd be like, even though you are practicing what you're supposed to do, you'd be like, oh crap, we have to interrupt this with a real life situation. And it's not portrayed as horrifying in the film like a horror film would, rather it's shockingness and Hanks' reaction to seeing the map register two skiffs that really portrays the what the fuck moments. Uh, yeah, I'd say it language. comes close. Sorry, I'd say it comes close to a horror movie like at times because there is that level of tension and it is yeah. it is a skill within itself because I was going to say, again, from a review perspective, those scenes of the skiff 
um, well, well, certainly the skiffs chasing and then the kind of cat and mouse game and ultimately they fend them off the first time and then the skiff coming back the second time. Those scenes to me are genuinely tense. Yeah. Um, and watching it for the first time, I didn't know, well, I knew from kind of trailers and stuff and from the famous kind of scene that's been memed that they end up on the ship. Mm. So I knew they would end up there one way or the other, but I didn't realize there was kind of a, I guess false start for want of a better word at first where they try and fail and then the next day come back and try again and that's when they kind of get on board. And I, I yeah. found that really tense. And f despite knowing the outcome, I thought, yeah, this is really, incredibly well directed and it yeah. can't have been easy because it's almost all on the sea mm. in real sort of boats and things yeah and um, uh, another fan file before i do actually get to an opinion on the scene and um the behind the scenes stuff uh they actually used a sister ship to film this on so it was actually filmed at sea and it was actually filmed on a quote-unquote replica because it looks exactly the same of the Missouri Alabama which I find incredible and really really good intricate detail of the production yeah absolutely I read the same thing the Maersk Alabama I think I read somewhere is still in service mm. but um the one they used for the filming was a sister ship that because it's the same company and everything it's identical in every way yeah um, except that once or twice apparently if you're clever and careful and freeze frame you can see the real name of the ship in the movie mm. but i'm not gonna deduct points for that <laughs> for crying out loud that's really yeah. like obviously they weren't on the real ship you yeah know? so but speaking of your original point I, I like to give a big shout out to henry jackman who composed the score uh among others he composed the captain america and jumanji films uh, Michael, what are your thoughts on the threat and the musical score? Maybe the well, latter the, at this point. The thing is that um, that that was a criticism that I had, not to not to um, you know not to get into an argument or anything. But I thought it, it's really good the music and um, the, the tension and stuff during those intro scenes. But towards the end of the film, I really found that it was getting overpowering. And okay. as a kind of not so much a, a director but as somebody who knows the kind of film and would like to work in that field someday i thought the scenes when phillips is not to jump ahead but the scenes when he's in the lifeboat and yeah. it's supposed to be tense i was like i would really rather have had no music playing over these scenes to emphasize the claustrophobia and the kind of the, the nervousness but it, it's kind of, it, it depends because that was actually one of my phrases that was one of the things i really loved about this film was the lack of score during the lifeboats i like at the end uh of course the climax there's going to be music but i'm not sure what scenes you're specifically on about because for the most part uh, i'd say well, about 80 percent, there was very minimal music and it emphasized the waves crashing on the sides of the boat which i really loved completely but there was a couple of times when it was I suppose it was scene transitions is what you would call it but when it was kind of the camera panning back over to the lifeboat before going inside where i found the music was really loud mm. and very like this is what you should feel and i was like i already know i'm already tense and i'm feeling it because of the script and the acting so i don't need the music and then the other one that i found a little bit too overbearing is um like you said when they kind of have that moment of tension inside of the lifeboat then they open the hatch and see the navy and everybody there and just from nowhere the music just intrudes and blares in and like yeah. dun, dun, and i was like i don't get a sense of how tense this must feel for those pirates seeing that because your music is like here come the navy and i'm like oh i didn't need that <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's it's a mixed bag because like you say it works to build the tension at the start of the film i just thought by the end it was it was intruding a little bit that makes sense uh, I don't uh, well I don't particularly agree because I just focus on the acting okay. and the story rather than like the, the music being overbearing I just think yeah, I agree yeah. with you that Normally it's I incredibly would, yeah. loud 
um yeah. it's incredibly loud but i just think to me at least it adds to the experience it's like spine tingling hair raising to me not as opposed to i can't hear a bit of dialogue not that you said that but just you know it gets overbearing it kind of you already feel the emotion so it doesn't have to do that it doesn't complement the what what's yeah. being portrayed to you i think that's what I'm yeah about. it's just I think, yeah, it worked really well because, like, I never, never normally notice these things. Anyway, I'm capable of just watching a movie and then letting it do its thing. And like I say, I think it did that really well during the initial attacks on the ship and everything. But by the end, I was very much like, it's it's announcing that this is a movie during some of the more tense scenes, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't know how I would, I'm not a composer. I don't know how I would do that. Maybe a little bit more subtle or maybe just less music by that, that point in the film, but... You see, it's it's an it's a nitpick, but I do think they could have done better at uh, scoring the second half of the film, maybe. Okay, uh, but to again bring it back to the second attack, uh, attack now, I said the intensity is definitely ramped up with the music, ironically, and the general personas of the crew and Phillips in particular when it's revealed that one skiff is on the return. It's as though they're aware they'll be more prepared this time, as in the pirates are going to be more prepared. Thus, it's more serious. Uh, personally, I love the whole sequence and the rush to stop the pirates from boarding is truly great. From increasing speed to Phillips literally all over the place clawing for the uh, for the box with the flares in. I just think it was fantastically scored, fantastically acted. And again, it's with these kind of character drama pieces, biopics, you could say. It heavily relies, most of these films, on the story. And I just think the writing is fantastic in this film. Yes, there's some characters that don't get a lot of attention but my god the story is great completely um what was i going to say during the attack uh, this is actually a phrase which is um because it's a real life situation what could be a criticism is a praise because i was so tense and so nervous again knowing even though that they're boarding the ship that i'm like virtually not so much screaming on my tv as i'm watching alone but internally i'm thinking to myself why the heck are these people not armed if they're going into pirate waters why don't yeah. they arm these i mean i get they're civilians but why is there at least not maybe an armed contingent on board or I think why have they got no I, protection I, I, whatsoever it's did kind of, you read about yeah. that how it's just like uh again it's laws and stuff like that like in america it's an american ship in america you can have a gun if you've got a gun license like why it's a good point why don't they have it on ships but it's just like money stuff and stuff like that and it's just well, like not even that like i get you couldn't just give civilians guns but like they know they're going into dangerous waters what's to stop them putting one or two uh, the equivalent of like security guards on board again just in case again it's happens, money you know? like yes <laughs> exactly, sure it's, yeah. a, it's a big ship that's in a movie but it's only in a movie because of the event yeah, like, the ship itself may look big yeah. and cool but you gotta think the cost kind of measures of these companies not to yeah, no, no, criticize uh, the company here but you know a lot of these companies well that's the thing that. it's not a criticism of the movie it is a criticism of real life because it's kind of like i've worked in news agents and stuff in the past mm -hmm. where they had a security guard but this ship with like massive amounts of cargo that knows it's a target that's heading into pirate water is just like eh, just lock yourself in and call for the navy they'll be there eventually yeah like, really is that the best they can do yeah um yeah again i i do agree it's just it's just a real life issue that should be addressed. it's not the movie's fault it's yeah. it's it's to the movie's credit that i'm left thinking this is so tense why in the heck have they got no other recourse than yeah. just hide and hope for the best you know Speaking and um again i don't know i don't know if it happened in reality but i really uh would love to praise the scene where 
he kind of calls for help and just gets the response of, oh, they're probably just fishermen. And he's like, well, they're not just here to fish. And really that, actually, that literally happened. That, that was the exact interaction. I that, couldn't believe it. I could believe it. I didn't want to say like it definitely happened, but I can believe it because I've, I've been in not that situation, but situations like that where you're talking to somebody who about something serious and they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's, it's nothing. Don't worry the about no it. surface level response and the fact that that was real. Like, you know, the course of the ship and like if you got piracy warnings from uh, these people, then it must have been serious. But they hear you out in a real life situation and you got this person on the other end of the phone saying, lock your doors, check the security. And I think, what the hell like surely there's yeah. gotta be some better advice or like some support like the only support crown crew support that they actually got was captain phillips uh you know pretending to have support on the way on the phone and that was that which was, was clever yeah which was yeah. very clever yeah um but i think you did allude to it uh, to my next point kind of when the pirates do board the ship and they go heads on with the crew more specifically phillips uh this is what the real life crew take the most issue with his heroic portrayal in the film mm. especially the moment where he offers himself as opposed to the pirates killing the other crew member which apparently did not happen however when captain phillips supposedly had the upper hand and takes control of the situation he and we as a viewer are brought back way down to earth uh when the pirates deliver the iconic line look at me look at me i am the captain now it's like yes tom hanks his character has the control over the room supposedly he's showered at this um pirate and he's brought the pirate's intensity down but then he just yeah. looks at him and he thinks i i am actually the captain now i think the chemistry is incredible uh, yeah. don't you think oh completely and i wanted to say about that scene you probably already know this but um mm. one thing i didn't know till i was researching as well is and forgive me for butchering the name that barkad abdi mm. uh, playing moose or whatever and um, completely ad-libbed that line the most famous line in the movie and i was oh, like wow. that that guy deserves a raise because that's the line everybody knows and for that to just be on the spot like i need to exert my authority somehow and you can kind of tell watching it because he, he falters a little bit where he's like look at me look at me he says it a couple of times and then just goes i'm the captain now and i was like oh wow that is <laughs> i think it may have just been scripted as like look at me look at me and then that was it that was it yeah, but, um, yeah. it's not like a time of angels you know? it's not like a time of angels moment where uh you know the matt smith moment where he holds onto this bit of string and then he pulls it down and then uh that wasn't like recorded and then the director liked it so much that he kept it in or like they had to reshoot it or was it like the first time it was filmed it stayed in the movie or did they have to redo it like that do you think i think it was just as they filmed because i mean like i said they were doing things like that anyway because like i said i read that not many people other than the two people in the first scene of the the coffee breaks and things only the two people acting knew what was going to be said there mm. and i mean i don't know but i would assume that uh, paul greengrass the director was kind of like okay mr abdi um you know i need you to exert your authority just tell him to look you in the eyes and, and be really like impart some tension but we're not going to tell you you know what exactly word for word to say and then when it happened it's one of those kind of fortuitous accidents where the yeah. director saw it and was like oh that's dig in the film that's brilliant and i love it <laughs> when uh, like directors just give that creative freedom to the actors because I've, yeah. I've seen some films do that before and nine times out of ten they are one of the most acclaimed films and scenes of all time and in this yeah. scene, and this film specifically that is the most famous uh, line from the film and maybe it's just because of the charm that it is in fact off the fly and not actually in yeah. the scrolls or something like that it just that it just makes it special to me I'd, uh, I'd love to yeah i'd love to do a report or something someday on like 
uh, ad-libbed lines that were made up on the spot that have become the more famous. The only other one that springs to mind immediately, and again, slight tangent, is um, Star Wars, hmm. uh, when... Uh, I'm not spoiling because I know you probably haven't seen it yet, but at the end of Empire Strikes Back, it was scripted that Princess Leia says to Han Solo, I love you, and he says, I love you too. And uh, Harrison Ford was like, he wouldn't say that. This guy's too cocky and too up himself. So it's now the most famous line in the film that Leia says, I love you, and Han responds, I know. Which <laughs> is just like, that's far better than what was in the script, and it just came from Harrison Ford being like, no, nah, this guy would never say that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Back to Captain Phillips. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's one of those but yeah uh, with the next chunk of the film there's not so much to say specifically but complement the general things like the lighting and the subdued audio mixing it relies heavily on these things to portray the pirates as intimidating and ruthless killers who will supposedly kill any crew member on site as they go around the ship I'm on about uh, so one moment in particular where I think these elements absolutely shine is where all three of them are in the kitchen and Hanks notices Shane Murphy's character in the corner who is by by the way portrayed by michael kemus who you michael and some audience members may recognize as tinkerer from spider-man homecoming a film literally next up on my big mcu watch list do you recognize him nice i recognized him from somewhere but i didn't know where but mm. it's just clicked in my head as soon as you've said that um i knew that i'd seen him in something but i was like it could have been a soap or something i'd seen one time or but i know i've seen him the only other guy that i recognized which i'm sure you will appreciate was um actor Corey something I think it's Corey Johnson hmm. uh, who played um, Henry Van Staten in Dalek the Doctor Who episode ah yes <laughs> uh, yeah I didn't know who you were about prominently, uh, prominently on the bridge and I'm kind of like oh I know that guy yeah. <laughs> he was in Doctor Who I've noticed that in previous watches but this time around I just didn't clock it and I was like oh yeah that guy did he was in Doctor Who and I just thought oh that's an excellent bit you know those tweets that often come up that say oh I'm such a Doctor Who fan that whenever I watch a film I think oh that guy was from Doctor Doctor Who and that's how I know actors that's how I know actors yeah. it's like oh you're in Doctor Who that's yeah I'm the same Doctor Who or Star Trek I'm always like oh you've been in one of these things yeah. that I watch so. yeah in instantly made the film better just because of your presence and because you've been in stuff and I love well yeah for me I think it took me a little bit out of it because uh, like I said I was I was buying that Tom Hanks was this real person I didn't really know the rest of the bridge crew so I was like they could be real people and then out of nowhere I was like ooh but the Henry Van on the bridge <laughs> that's kind of like oof yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault I mean he's an, he's a working actor it was just like ooh, it took me a tiny bit out of the movie for, yeah. for reality purposes but no it was it was just a funny thing I noticed yeah I did love the bit of a run around where one of the crew members has to go up uh, onto the uh, deck to turn off the lights and I think mm. uh, the the use of sound effects is fantastic well of course the sound effects will be are intimidating not intimidating imitating real life sounds that would be on the bridge but what I'm trying to say is uh, the lack of music again the subduedness of the score yet mm. when um they do realize the ship is falling apart so to speak the noises that like the little beep 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 to uh, show that something's wrong like these guys aren't the best english speakers probably but they can sense when something is wrong with the ship just because of an intimidating beep and i love the scene where he kind of just the same scene but where he throws the spanner across the deck yeah. and then he has to come down and he goes around i just think that's such a great little bit of direction as he goes down the that was, stairs yeah that was that was one of the things that i had written like a note praising because i was like you know that something's got you when um, like I said, I, I thought I recognized the guy from somewhere, but he, I was completely in with the character. And mm. again, 
not, not that I physically shouted out loud, but internally in my head when that happened, I was like, what the F are you doing, man? You're going to be in so much danger now. Yeah. Like, then just caught myself and was like, dude, this is a movie chill. It goes to show that you were invested in the characters. Were there, really? were there any like side characters, except from the main pirate guy, except from Phillips, that you were genuinely invested in as a character? Because those are the two that get praised a lot the most and you can see why because they are, are the focus of the film but was there anyone else you formed some sort of attachment to out of interest well i think it you could argue it's basically a two-hander film and that's why even all the posters and stuff are basically tom hanks and uh, and abdi who played uh, moose because it is it's 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 a cat and mouse game between them in a lot of ways and it's it's a two-header the only other character that i specifically like really cared about was um and again this is complete manipulation but it worked which is the young guy that ends up cut when um yeah the, the pirates seem very uncaring about it and uh and phillips is like you know you should get it seen to it's gonna be bad you know i can see you're in pain kind of thing um mm. to the point where at the end he's the one that's like stop stop writing you're gonna be in trouble which by the way apparently also never happened <laughs> but, um, i'm not no, surprised because that was... was pretty far-fetched that he didn't realize for so long that's very Hollywood, and yeah, I was like, oh, he just happens to have found a pen that nobody saw, and then a bit of paper that nobody saw, and I was kind of like, yeah, this is this is pure Hollywood, and yeah, uh, yeah it's that's, a, it's, that's it's, not in the book. It's a great scene, but it just yeah. irks me that it goes on for so long, and you just got this guy saying, stop, stop, and then no one recognises that, even though, of course, you've got the ships in the background, it's very intense, and like, if you get rid of the music, it's like, mm. what sound effects are there to mask this guy saying stop stop I, I, you just gotta turn your brain off for a bit or just like enjoy yeah. what they're trying to go with for that particular scene anyway I don't think you need that scene I think we'd already perfectly established that he loves his wife and he was nervous and he has kids that he's relating to this young uh, Somali chap about and everything that I don't think you need a scene that's like I'm writing to my wife in case something happens mm. because we already know all of this it's almost redundant and it's kind of like it feels like you had the sense to cut out the scenes of like the, the tension of the wife watching what's going on at home. I, I would have cut that as well because I don't think you need it and it stretches things just a little bit too far. Um, I, although it did, it, did, now. Uh, it did work for me in that I needed some kind of reason why he would have been so foolish, I guess, almost as to sort of fight back yeah, and, exactly. and be so like raged at the, the guy who was kind of constantly harassing him and i said like, okay i get the emotional beat here is you just wanted to write a letter to your wife and that guy was in your face about it but maybe there could have been another way i don't know like i said it's one of those where i don't like that it exists but i like what came out of it if that makes yeah. sense uh, it's yeah. the same thing with all the intensities towards the end with all the navy sales like jumping out of the helicopters with the parachutes i think well first of all their role isn't really explained and when they just parachute into mm. the sea i'm so confused at what their actual role is oh i i know that but that's because i know Navy could you, Seals could, could you please tell me <laughs> what were they it's doing? just basically they're just basically counter-terrorism type things so they're kind of a their mission is to not be seen and to get basically a, a position whereby they have a clear shot on the antagonists in this situation but not harming any civilians and then no. try to set up like where no, everybody no, no, is no, and stuff. No. I'm aware about that, but they parachuted into the water. Yeah. So they parachuted into the water, then boarded the boat, presumably. I, I just know that they're, they're called frogmen and that's what they do. They kind of go into the water because it's less chance of being seen or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> they, I didn't question it because I knew I've seen the, it. In a, they must have boarded the boat, otherwise they'd have just been le left there stranded to die. 
it was one of those things I think where it was pure again it's it's more for Hollywood because I remember reading that mm. that kind of particular aircraft carrier wasn't on the scene it was just a you know a ship that happens to have took some Navy SEAL guys or whatever but the Navy SEAL guys were completely independent of the ships or whatever that were there that were there and there was no like giving the order uh, they took mm. it on their own back of like we've now got a clean shot on all three just do it um yeah because they were a trained team who did that and weirdly random bit of trivia supposedly the same team that um took I was out Osama bin Laden. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry no, I, I wasn't thinking of that i was thinking um what you were gonna say was that the the extras in the backgrounds that were like behind the desk oh, yeah, yeah. on the ship are actually the crew members who were on the ship at the time yeah specifically um the most famous one is the the medic woman who um who treats phillips yeah. for his trauma um but yes we <laughs> funny... get to that scene i love I, that scene i have such a funny story about that scene i don't know if you want me to, to save it or just just give it now you may even give know it, it actually go for it um which is that obviously she's a real whatever it's like medic first class or whatever that it is in the navy um and the the first time they tried to film that scene she was so starstruck because it was tom hanks <laughs> that she couldn't really get her words out and couldn't do a whole lot and then apparently um the director sort of told her we'll have to do better than that and tom hanks just took her quietly to one corner and just whispered in her ear yo i'm the one who's supposed to be in shock and trauma not you <laughs> keep it together do your job kind of thing exactly the same on the second uh, which which is the funny part but on the other hand of things on the more sort of emotional side of things was mm. um second time around she did it she just did a job because he was like just do it as if you would with any other person any other sailor how would you do it go through the drill um but hanks is acting on the second go around supposedly there's another navy officer who was just on the scene who plays a navy officer um who as soon as the scene was finished filming apparently started crying and uh, just told the director i've seen trauma and that's what it looks like and i was like that's acting man that's, yeah. that's pure acting for you like i've i've not read i don't think at least not this time around uh if tom hanks took any specific uh lessons about the acting of course he's done acting lessons beforehand but in terms of you know the, eddie redmayne did uh acting lessons to play uh what's his name stephen hawking so, and mm. of course like when there's a specific role that is being played uh that's not quote-unquote normal you sometimes have to have acting lessons because you're not that kind of person and i just think okay tom hanks may not have had this trauma in terms of he's probably not been hanged supposedly hopefully not and um he's still gotta portray that angst and fear and just complete disbelief of a guy who has supposedly just had a failed suicide attempt not suicide I don't even think like murder attempt uh, murder I don't even think it's that I, I didn't read that scene as that so much as like he didn't want it to end in bloodshed and the, the sheer trauma of having three people killed right in front of you and then it, being no, left it, you know? it's more of an acting thing as opposed to a character yeah. thing oh yeah yeah completely but I mean like for, even from an acting point of view he was kind of he, that was the moment that really got me was the sheer sort of almost the primal scream of ah oh, i can't believe this has happened of like oh i'm now God, covered yeah. in covered in other people's blood and even when he's getting the the medical examination and she says is it all from your eyebrow and whatever and he says no and then just starts crying because he says that's not my blood yeah um, i was like oh wow that's that's really powerful stuff throughout but again we're skipping way ahead but yeah. that was just some stuff i wanted to shout out and give some praise to so yeah 
Uh, I do like the music when Abdi's character is captured by the crew of the Mazurk. Um, it's incredible, and the use of the walkie-talkie to convey the message to the bridge is great, especially when you factor in the performance of Hanks and Amit, who, took, who look into each other's eyes with contrasting emotions. So mm. Amit being the really intense, shall we, guy. Yes, both are in disbelief, but Amit is more in crazed disbelief, where he could go off the wire at any second, whereas Hanks is in disbelief more so that he can he has been put into this situation uh, where he could face the wrath of the pirates at any second, if that makes any sense. So, like, yeah. yes, they were the same emotions, but one was intense and the other was... I'm I'm surprised because I'm in a situation where I'm with this intense person and I could get the wrath of that intense person. Yeah, and that, that's another thing I wanted to say was the from the script point of view, building up the tension because they're kind of they're nervous and then they're kind of you know they're always on tenterhooks. You don't know if they're gonna be angry or whatever at any moment anyway. But then building up that they've got this narcotic that they're chewing on that gradually runs out. Yeah. Um. That, that so that when they get to the lifeboat, they've run out of that stuff, and then they start running out of like tobacco and cigarettes. Mm. Um. So the tension just gets gradually more and more, and you're kind of like, uh, from a scripting point of view, I like that it emphasised that rather than just because there's enough there really. But yeah. um, I, I did like that, and from on a related note to that, throughout, but especially during the scenes that you've talked about with following um, Shane around the ship and the kind of sounds and, and the tension of it all. I just specifically wanted to note that I think the the editing and the direction throughout, but especially in those scenes for the tension, mm. is just absolutely top-notch. I don't think I could fault it at all. So. I can't tell you how much I love doing two podcasts with you in, in terms of you have these qualifications <laughs> in media. So you just use the word narcotic and I just think, what does that even mean? Oh, like, I'm just um, like a novice yeah. to film production, so <laughs> like, uh, I love it. It's not quite as bad as all that, but kind of like drugs, basically. So they're chewing on like a oh, leaf okay, that apparently yeah. gives you gives you a high almost. But it's mm. some people claim it's no worse than caffeine and coffee. Some people say it's like kind of poppies and opium, but the truth's probably again somewhere in between. But I mean, yeah, I've that's never it. taken that anyway, just because it's drugs, and second yeah. of all, because I hate coffee. Yeah, exactly. Same here. But yeah, it's yeah. called um, it's called it's spelled K H A T, but pronounced chat. <laughs> it's a beautiful incongruity that it's just called something so weird yeah but um yeah uh well since we're there pretty much uh philip's being taken onto the pirates lifeboat well the lifeboat with the pirates in you could say uh was really mm. well done from the lack of music again a common uh praise for this film for me even though i do love the music when it is um, at the center front unlike you kind of in some cases um, yeah the subdued music was fantastic uh, just before the big splash uh, we cut um, the music out the music cuts out and then the splash Ooh. comes in and then you get music and you get uh, yeah. close ups of the crew which is some great direction which is again one of your praises you just said Mm-hmm. Uh, then we enter the second half of the film. Uh, again, I when I was rewatching this just to get uh, my notes down, so I was like skimming through. The exact half point of this film is when um, we're onto the lifeboat. So half of the film is literally on the boat and also the setup in the first few minutes. And then the second half of the film is entirely on the lifeboat and also like with the Navy SEALs and stuff like that. And I just think that's that's a nice... I, lo- I love it when stuff like that happens. It's like the big tonal shift uh, happens right in the center of the film or like a really specific time. I said the same thing again this is just going to sound very repetitive but I said the same that when it came to um, the actual structure of the film and the pacing which I'm usually very critical of I absolutely again couldn't fault it because yes 
it, I, I was worried there was going to drag and it was going to be potentially boring. And I was like, ooh, knowing vaguely what the story's about, I'm not sure how you can supposedly stretch in my head this to like two and a bit hours. But then I was like, do you know what? It actually really worked. And even to the point where it hit that halfway point and I'm like, okay, how are they going to get another hour out of this? He's already on the lifeboat. This is going to end soon, isn't it? Yeah. It, because I didn't know the exact specifics. But then again, that last hour, I'm not like, oh, get on with it. It's finishing. It was too tense and it kind of, it sucked you into I'm, I'm, it I'm well enough, it. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we entered the second half of the film where the musical score is pretty minimal as I said towards the start with the exception of the really intense scenes that we'll be getting into again I'm sure uh, I think this approach was excellent for me yes some may find it a little boring uh, but it gives us time to learn about the pirates more through the eyes of Philip which I think was a great choice the more I don't learn- think it would be I don't think it would be boring I think there's enough tension to keep it from being that that way and I'm very again I'm critical of if something's boring me yeah. I'm gonna feel it <laughs> yeah, fair enough the more we learn the more we sympathize with Phillips and when the time comes we really get behind his motivations uh, when he tries to escape uh, making us more invested in his safekeeping of course we want him to be safe from the off but the more we learn about the pirates the more we acknowledge the severity and the deceitfulness of the crew of the you know the pirates um, I think that's just fantastic writing uh, Michael again just repetitive but I don't disagree I think like I said those scenes build up tension so perfectly like I said even adding the extra touches of them running out of the chat and running out of the cigarettes even you know the guy that tries to roll tobacco out of his old cigarette into a new one and then the the lifeboat um hits like turbulence or a wave or whatever and he ends up it just it ends up all over the boat and he's like oh why couldn't you keep this thing straight yeah um, little moments like that you know coupled with I think little stuff like that I preferred more than kind of like the over the top like don't give him any water it's for us kind of thing where I was like oof there's a way to do it subtly and there's a way to do it like yeah I get it that guy's a bit of a jerk (laughs) yeah Um, but again I can't really criticize it because the whole point is that it's so tense that they would be on edge like that yeah. And again, I get I get that from a filmmaking perspective, you kind of need, firstly, you need a straight out and out villain. And secondly, you kind of need us not to sympathize too much with these guys who are going to end up dead at the end of the movie. So, And it's, yeah. again, to allude to that like sentiment, uh, there was a scene where it's like, okay, it's a nice little moment where he's bandaging the guy's foot. And mm. you think, yes, okay, this is a nice little moment. But then he pulls out the knife and then it cuts back to reality where these guys are on edge and they think, oh my God, he's got a knife. What are you doing? I'm going to shout at you now just because you have yeah. a knife and that could endanger us. And I just think, yes, there's some nice moments in here uh, where you can build some characters sympathizing with these pirates. But at the end of the day, they are doing illegal work, so to speak. Yeah. And um, they are very aggressive. And, I think, and in terms of yeah. um, in, in terms of that particular scene, I love how how Tom Hanks underplayed without acting, like overacting, and without even any dialogue. The kind mm-hmm. of fact that he absentmindedly was like he's he's fixing somebody up, and so naturally he reaches for his pen knife or Swiss Army knife, whatever it is, to to cut the bandage as he would you know a thousand times, um, and doesn't realize, oh crap, it's a knife. Of course they're <laughs> they're peeved about this. Yeah, um, I was like, yeah, I, I completely bought that a hundred percent. Which again is a, is a. a uh, what's the word? An example of a great actor doing something with very little. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think um, we are approaching the end of the film. Um, of course, there's going to be some little moments in there that we may uh, want to mention. 
But I think one of the biggest and most intense scenes, of course, except from the ending, is where he tries to escape. And I think, oh my god, this is so well directed and shot. Like, there's some scenes underwater, there's some scenes where uh, you're like, okay, so Phillips is being uh, quote unquote tortured in this lifeboat, okay? This isn't at the point where he's being strangled and stuff like that. That comes after. But what I'm trying to say, he's been in this uh, lifeboat for several days. Uh, under malnourished under uh for he's probably thirsty as hell and that probably means he's getting a bit ill so he's a bit yeah. disoriented and i just think the way they shot it so some bits are above water some bits are underwater um of course water makes you out of breath especially if you're doing a lot of swimming so you hear the breaths of tom hanks i think the audio mix is fantastic but uh you know the lights of the ship of the big ship and they kind of just move the lights across the lifeboat and across the water as Hanks is kind of trying to swim away and struggling. I think that kind of does a really good job at showing the disorientation of Phillips. And again, it's about the shooting and also, excuse me, the direction, which I think was Tom Notch in, yeah. uh, in this segment specifically. Completely. And I like that they cut back at times. Yes, fair enough when you're in it and you're you're amongst the kind of the sea and you're, you're feeling the tension, but also the decision to cut back and kind of show that from the ship's perspective, it's like, we don't know what's going on. How many people are in the water? Who is it? What's going yeah. on? And um, again, it's yeah, just one of these stupid good. moments. Like, it's a real life problem, not a movie problem. Whereas, like, of course, <laughs> it's going to be Phillips in this uh, situation where he's swimming away from the ship. Of course, that's going to be Phillips. Just because oh, yeah, you yeah, can't see it's, 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 why aren't you shooting the bastards? Fuck you. Well, it's not so much that as they don't know which one Angry. because I mean it's pitch it's pitch black and they don't know which one is Phillips and which one is the guy trying to get him and it's like if they shoot the wrong person then that's game over you know but um one one thing I did want to bring up in terms of like real life compared to um the, the way the film portrays it is that this is one of the rare examples I think where the reality is even worse than the movie um, because I read that the real Captain Phillips was he they staged mock executions the entire five days he was on the lifeboat so there was no like Ooh. just sitting politely and feeling the tension they were doing that like to psychologically torment him basically um, and that coupled with like not not being sort of you know not not being cared not having water and food and stuff uh, he didn't actually say I need a wee or whatever he just saw some guy taking a piss and apparently made a run for it because at that point he was so desperate and so like psychologically wrecked that he was like I just want off this light boat like, and apparently it was even hotter than it's portrayed in the film as well which they say it's kind of hard to portray I'm so glad just they didn't how hot that. I'm sure <laughs> if they, they included those light moments if they took a different direction with the film I think it could potentially be just as great but i'm i'm just glad that he didn't because yes it's fomo like fear of missing out but they've got there's got to be a certain point where you're like okay this works would i like it to be different not yeah. yes maybe because i want to see how it kind of pans out and how they portray a real life situation but i'm Right, oh, yeah. I mean, with the alternative fictional tale they give. I understand why they didn't do it because from a movie making perspective it would be incredibly boring if you just showed five scenes of mock executions back to back because that's not dramatic maybe, maybe, you know what I mean? maybe one maybe one yeah, mark yeah, yeah. Before, Which, yeah. to be fair they do that's that's the point is that it gets to that's what you're basically saying at the very end when things have reached that tension point um but you know sadly reality sometimes is stranger than fiction and the fact that it was that tense the entire time gives you a bit more respect for the reality of the situation i think so, yeah. yeah and knowing that that makes like just by phillips being in that situation i think it is disrespectful by the crew 
for calling mm. uh, Philip Sell and uh, like tying him to a lawsuit. Like, yeah. yes, he probably did well uh, in terms of finances because of it, and the crew may not have done. So they kind of felt envious and jealous of him. But still, there's got to be a point where you just think, okay, this guy may not have been the best supervisor to us, but mm. we have to sympathize with a situation where he was kidnapped, he was beaten, he was uh, strangled, he was hung, kind of. And you got you got to reach a point where you just think, is it worth it? And I don't knowing that now, I've got I back that um, point even more. It's like, why are yeah. you doing that? I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to think that's it and you're gonna die multiple times. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than me psychologically than, than being like a mock execution, which is just so cruel. Because like any time it could be for real and you just don't know. And every time you're mentally, you're in a place where it's like, oh, I'm dead. They're gonna kill me this time. So it's mm. like I can't imagine much that's worse. But again, at the same time, I understand why the film wouldn't show the reality of that because it would be boring as flip just watching that time and time again. And perhaps it would be a little bit too emotionally devastating for the viewer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'd be like, oh, we're at we're at a ten the entire time, and we just need to have a bit of sort of slightly subtler tension, maybe. And, and it was very subtle. They took a very different approach. It was more subtle with some bits that were really intense where the music really hams up but um, they do take a different approach and I think that definitely works because again it's to do with the storytelling you you criticise one of the actors or the characters for being very one note and I think if it didn't have the subduity if, if that's even a word I hope it is um, then I think if they didn't have that it would be very repetitive in how the story was told if that makes sense no, it's exactly what I was what I was trying to say. Completely agree. You are drinking water, aren't you? I, 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 I was drinking. I was drinking Lucas Aid. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I heard the little uh, the little gulp, and then then you tying up the bottle lid. <laughs> that was funny. Apologies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is there anything else? Any little notes you have before the climax? The, the, no, the it was climax. just a couple of notes on the climax. I don't really have a lot else to say, so I, I won't get too much into it. Okay. But just to say that. Um, the, the the ending I think gained I won't say what my final score is but the ending as I said to you I think gained the film half a point just mm. for itself um, and I just said that the the ending was emotionally just devastating I absolutely felt like I was I was going through the ringer with it and um, it's incredibly tense as the film is throughout but it reaches another level of tension at the end and it completely sucks you in yeah. um, at no at no point was I like for better or worse oh this is just a film or oh I just don't feel this it completely gets you uh, and again that's credit to acting direction um editors and everybody that worked on the film to, to make it that moment but it does make it to excuse me to the point that i also made to you which is like this isn't exactly a feel-good movie it's not no. something i would stick on like oh i feel like watching just a movie that's upbeat and cheery um and it's not a film i would reach for to re-watch a load anyway but certainly <laughs> i must be a complete psychopath because i've rewatched this one about seven times which isn't to say i wouldn't rewatch it particularly even if i'm like oh i want to watch a movie that's good with an emotional performance in it you know if i'm feeling up to, to that kind of thing and i have films like that it's not that i don't but um again the, the ones i tend to gravitate to tend to be more like i want what's the word i want like escapism i which want to, to break from reality but um which isn't to say there isn't a place for these films at all it's just that it will naturally i think get less play for me but i am pleased to have been able to have um found it for under three quid on blu-ray and own it and it's on the shelf so yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you think you're ever gonna rewatch this i think i could definitely um 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's not, like I said, I don't think I'll rewatch it a lot, but I, I can see myself coming to, uh, you know, a year down the line, like, oh, I haven't seen that, like, you know, and I'm mm. feeling uh, like I want to watch a good, a, a quote, unquote, good movie with a good uh, performance or whatever in it. But I do think it's one of those things where if I did rewatch it, I would immediately uh, make sure I had like an episode of a sitcom or something to watch <laughs> straight after, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a palate cleanser, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the word palate cleanser. Well, the phrase palate cleanser is like, oh, I've watched uh, something so unbelievably crap. I now have to watch something unbelievably good. <laughs> just so I, I think James May says it like he does food truck videos on YouTube where he's like, he prepares food and eats it. And then if it's not particularly nice or if he ha- if he's like comparing foods, uh, he drinks wine in between and he just says, I'm going to drink some of my palate cleanser now. And he just grabs for his bottle of wine and I just think that's hilarious. So I adopted it. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, the final scene, fantastic. And uh, again, another bit of a diversion, but please indulge me. I love that word as well, indulge. You introduced me into that word, you know, indulge. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, I... Uh, I'm to blame. <laughs> yeah, so whenever I went up to my aunt's house, like, who lives elsewhere, uh, I sometimes, like when this film came out, like it came out in 20 frame, but I think I watched it plenty of times in like 2014 2015 uh years like that whenever we went up there i would just chuck it on because uh sky always promoted it for some reason uh it was always on the home page or on the front of the sky cinema so i thought okay I'll, I'll watch this again and every time um my family was just like oh you're watching this again my granddad uh, really loves this film and um again though my nan and my aunt were like oh he's watching that again I, I might sit down for the first half hour but if something happens I'm going to leave And um, but I rewatched this again about a month ago uh, before I even knew we were doing it for the podcast I watched it with my nan who initially thought uh, she had watched it all, all the way through uh, but I was like you haven't because there was always these distractions like there was also always something to do because um at my aunt's house there's some i've got young cousins so uh, you know often you're on your feet so there wasn't enough time to watch the film so i was like no we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch the film all the way through and whilst my nan had watched the first hour hour 15 she hadn't seen the final ha- uh, hour where they're predominantly Oof. in the lifeboat so yeah this kind of hit her and it, she was like yes i'm glad we watched it it was a fantastic film and she really appreciates the music from the music to the acting to the story uh yeah so she loved it and again it's just like one of the quote unquote naysayers no i'm not going to say naysayers just like if you don't give a movie a go you're not going to know if it's any good or if you're going to like it so just chuck it on even if you're a bit on the fence and you'll probably love it especially if someone you know recommends it and i think this is another case of that with you yeah, completely. I definitely would say uh, give it a go, even if you don't necessarily like me, think that you might like biopics or you're worried that it might be boring um, and just see if it, if it if it hooks you in. I think if you're not on board and you're not invested by the time the pirates board the ship, then maybe it's not for you and don't you don't carry on, especially if you're expecting it not to get emotionally worse because I can imagine it was a very different experience for um, anybody who's seen the first half of the film a lot and then came into the second when it almost is like a completely different, much more uh, emotionally draining movie. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, the final scene's excellent. Again, you've spoken about the trauma and all of that being portrayed excellently, so I don't have much else to add for that. Um, no, I don't have a conclusion, but I will just say I thoroughly love this film. Um, 
I must have rewatched it. I I can count the amount of times I've rewatched it on two hands. I absolutely adore it. Um, I just love this kind of genre, like the character well, biopic stuff, and yeah. I might have a conclusion for you. Okay, go go for um, it. Is this your conclusion, this, or is this just one you found? No, no. This this is this is your conclusion. <laughs> Wait, what? Courtesy of Letterboxd, oh, my good yeah, friend Will Templar wrote a review. <laughs> oh, let's go. That says. This is the audience interaction section right here. But yeah, um, you, you said, everybody must watch this. Such a brilliant, thrilling, well-acted, well-directed, well-scored film. The final five minutes makes the second half of the film worth the wait for the climax. Great film, probably the movie I rewatch the most. And I won't give you a score, but I will say that was... Uh, I was just looking to see if any of my friends had rated the movie or said anything about it on Letterboxd, and I came across your review. So I was like, when you I, said I'm you didn't glad. have a conclusion, I was like, yes, you do. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I gave that conclusion because it's actually, you know, well written. Because some of my reviews are just like one line, and I just think I'm not invested in this movie enough to actually give it a well-thought-out review like some of the top reviews do <laughs> on films. So I just say, oh, well, yeah, this uh, is good, and some something like that, but... Yeah, I actually it's put some. Funny, uh, it's funny you should say that because the only other letterboxed review I found amongst my friends was from my friend Alex Marzonia, who, by the way, fantastic YouTuber. Go look him up. He does lots of good uh, music and stuff. Hmm. Uh, he rated the film three and a half stars, and his one word review is butt clencher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, that's the <laughs> <laughs> did any of your other friends like give a score maybe not a review but like a score no nobody else had um, even watched it but then I've only got like 18 letterboxed friends um, mm. but whilst we're on the subject of audience interaction we did put out a poll as well onto the Twitter um, hit or miss the big screen podcast Twitter which I'm is so in desperate need of more followers I'm so glad <laughs> you sidepedaled it on because I was going to get my score and then you told me at the start don't give your score until after no, no, no. I'm glad you interrupted oh. me uh, well, the way I did it last time, and as I say, I've got the graphics for it, was audience interaction. Yeah. And then I think I gave my score first, then yours last time. But it depends who's who's giving, showing who the film. So we'll probably take yours and then mine this time. But yeah, in terms of audience interaction, we did put out a poll, which, as I said, on the Hit or Miss the Big Screen podcast, please follow us on Twitter. We really are in need of more followers. We are doing okay, but we could do with doing better. Um, only eight people voted in the poll. But, you know, for the sake of completion... Um, I simply said, what would you rate the film out of five stars? Uh, absolutely nobody said under 2.5, uh, which is good. 12.5% yeah. of those eight people said that it was between two and a half and three stars. 25% uh, of the people who responded said it was 3.5 to four stars. And the vast majority, 62.5%, said it was 4.5 to five stars. Excellent so, people. <laughs> yeah, I think the audience are kind of those that have seen the movie. I think is what we can take from that, or on board with it. So yeah, uh, yeah. So did you want to go ahead and give your your did final we score? Did you have any fan interaction on Facebook? Maybe. No, I looked. I, I tried, but nobody responded that they'd even seen the movie. But um, ah. it's one of those. I think people weren't responding because a lot of people may not have seen it, especially as you pointed out amongst my friends who are very much sci-fi and superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they probably didn't see it, but it's Fair a shame, enough. and I hope. Hopefully, if we put the podcast out, it might interest some people that are watching it for the first time because I do think they should. So yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, you did read out my conclusion from another day. When was that conclusion wrote, by the way? Can it I? It was March of 2020, I think. Hang on, because it's saved in my photos. Um, a whole year and a half ago. Fourth of March, 2020. Blimey! <laughs> yeah, and, and um, Alex's um, 
Alex Marzonia's fantastic one-word review was from 15th of February 2014. If anybody's oh, right, curious, right, right. long time ago. Um, yeah. yeah, I I personally love this film. Uh, again, with the uh, few criticisms that you did point out, yes, I agree with one of those, but one or two of the other little nitpicks I didn't pick up on at all um kind of for me at least and the amount of times i've rewatched it uh so maybe that's just like you noticed it that i just haven't um but that doesn't affect my score in any way um there, there there are very few things you can kind of there's no major flaws in this film i don't think um being the film buff you are i'm sure you'd have pointed out if there were some you know gaping flaws but again i just think it's such a solid character drama feel free to interject um here did you find any big flaws notable flaws except for no the- i mean I'll, I'll go over what my review is after okay. yours but no i didn't know okay um but yeah I, i'm not ashamed to give this uh movie a five out of five rating five stars excellent yeah. uh yeah well i again I, as i said i really really liked the movie um in short basically i i I don't know about perfection because the, my nitpicks would be the the music and kind of sound was a little overpowering in the second half. Um, I could have done with a little bit more backstory and more depth uh, for the characters, especially outside the main two. And it was a little bit kind of Hollywood and cliche at times. But on the flip side of that, all of the praise that I've already said, plus, as I said, to reiterate, A plus acting, direction, editing, uh, you know, pace, uh, it, all of that it really it's one of those films where i think it's either going to suck you in or it doesn't but i can't really understand how it doesn't to anybody that doesn't respond to it um i found it like i said very tense it completely it gripped me and uh, the ending is just emotionally devastating in the sort of best way in terms of performance and whatever so um yeah but as i say it's just just short perfection but i definitely okay. would say 4.5 out of 5 stars would be my particular score for it as well very positive and uh yeah i think that's a really good score and i wouldn't uh hard disagree with that at all oh we should uh, we should specify therefore that the final score from the podcast mm. is oh. 4.75 out of 5 i swear to god which, uh, even with the two of us we're never going to agree on a perfect score are we like on spin the wheel and hill miss uh well, the we've new podcast got- we've never had a universal 10 out of 10 god damn it we've got a chance in the next sort of well two of the next four <laughs> stories oh, but um, yeah. I think we're both going to struggle to uh, rate to rate an- anything below like a five out of five for the last two, just because they are such acclaimed movies. So like, okay, there's a point where subjective uh, subjectivity is of course um, a part of all uh, movies, but sometimes you just go look at a film and you think, "Blimey, that was just fantastic!" And it's like, yes, yeah. this is. I agree with the consensus here. And I think the final two films are such acclaimed stories, and we're both looking forward to each other's um, movies. Yeah, I think just just like these, it's going to come down to I think the person that hasn't seen it, because yeah. <laughs> I think um, again we didn't select them, but when they landed, they I think we were both like, ah, oh, wow, this is special kind of thing. Yeah. So it'll depend if the other person agrees or not. And again, there's lots of factors that w- might stop that. You know, that where you are in your life when you're watching it for the first time, and mm. You know, if it's an older movie or a newer movie and whatever else, but yeah, we'll see. Speaking of but, which, um, Michael, would you yeah. like to reveal what movie we'll be watching <laughs> next week and why is a movie that is on the list? 
next week's movie uh, is part of the experiment that we had where it was like, we don't want to just talk about well-regarded and good movies because that might get boring. And sometimes there are interesting things to say about movies that might not have a great reputation. Hmm. Um, with that in mind, one of the movies that I put down as supposedly a bad movie, but that I could probably talk about and that I at least find entertaining and watchable and have seen far more times than I... <laughs> like <laughs> it did come up um yeah it's an infamous movie it won it was nominated for multiple razzie awards and won at least one that i'm aware of <clears throat> and it is uh 1997's film that for eight years killed the batman franchise it's batman and robin <laughs> so, <laughs> so it'll be ice to see that one uh <laughs> Uh, but again it's going to be one that Michael has seen I have not seen just like the other film the other bad film that's going to be in episode 4 that will be my pick or well, not a pick but it's, it's the film that I've seen that Mike hasn't so yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward I'm not looking it's forward not, to it but it's going to be it's not not enjoyable that's the thing it's like I, I would feel bad if it was a film that's like bad on the level of oh I can't believe it's painful to watch it's like if you acknowledge that you're basically going into it watching a live action cartoon and not expect good drama it's it's still fun oh it's dear just, lord it's, is that what I have to expect <laughs> yeah completely like just go along for the ride and just think yeah let's not try and take this seriously if you've seen like the likes of Batman Begins in the Dark Knight just picture literally the exact opposite of that oh, <laughs> absolute scenes if we actually give it a positive rating like uh, above a 2.5 oh, okay. under no circumstances could I possibly say it's a good film I can well, see you can enjoy watching I mean, it if, like... we, if, if we both watch it and we're like okay this isn't as bad as I remembered then maybe just mm. maybe we'll see well, again for the, for the first time I'm certainly not going to judge you if you watched it for the first time completely divorced of you know the the uh, context and i don't know how much of a batman fan you are maybe it's you're just no, you know really. you've just seen the odd bit but in which case you won't, trilogy that's about it you you won't be as invested in the character in that case as like a lot of the people like uh, yeah to an extent myself but a lot of people that were kind of like this isn't the character from the comics boo no. but um yeah i mean we, we'll see as i say i don't think it's it's a it's not not fun it's an enjoyable enough time and i have watched it multiple times and i do own the blu-ray although that is because i'm a completist and it did come in the four film box set of the first <laughs> uh not the first but the 89 to 97 yeah. batman films so well, uh, yeah, yeah we'll begin into that next week thank uh, you to those of you that listened <laughs> thank you, no, you, go, you go. thank you to those who actually listened to the entire podcast all the way through and um to those who didn't as well so some people could have watched halfway through and if uh, that's the case for you I don't know how you're going to hear this because you didn't even hear it to the end uh, but yeah I don't know why I went on that tangent again uh, but yeah um, we hope to see you next week I've been Will this has been Michael and um, yeah don't forget to like week. subscribe ring the bell tell your friends yeah to, uh, go, go you'd think this guy's the YouTuber wouldn't you like I, I'm going to be the YouTuber <laughs> in this case and I forget about like subscribing and commenting and peace and stuff like that but yeah uh do all of those things uh subscribe which is one of the things that you mentioned oh this is crap um but yeah join us next week for batman and robin uh for now see you in a Take bit care. get on this big screen on facebook and twitter bye bye, <laughs> bye.